0: She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dovek, and she's a dietitian.
1: Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the The Doctor Doctor Dietitian Collab.
0: Hi, everyone. And on this week's episode, we are talking all things sleep. Sleep, in my opinion, is a pillar that is just as important as both diet and exercise in this whole equation towards better health.
1: I think it's super important. Pillar, and it's super underrepresented.
0: We don't talk about sleep enough. We really don't. Uh, We there's so much information out there about diets and fads and all of these sorts of things and movement. Anywhere you turn on Instagram, you're going to be, for example, just bombarded with this stuff. But you're right, sleep is underrepresented. But today, we're going to devote the next however many minutes to nothing else but this topic. Hopefully by the end of it, you won't be sleeping yourself. Hopefully you will still be engaged. I always (laughs) always think about
1: the sleep book by Dr. Seuss. Did you ever read that or have your kids read that?
0: (laughs) Yes. You guys, you said it to me after one of my conversations. But yes. yeah,
1: cause like I always think about that. And even just like saying the word sleep over and over, like makes you sleepy. So sorry mm-hmm. if we do that to you guys today. I hope Big not. Big
0: yawns, get that oxygen in there. Let's get flowing and let's yeah. get chatting here. So there's a lot of different components of sleep and there's this bi-directional relationship as to when you should eat, what you should eat, how close to bedtime you should eat and how it affects your sleep. There's also a relationship between sleep and what exactly you eat and why you want to eat it. And there's a lot of changes we're going to talk about at a, both a brain level, a hormonal level, and just a basic desire level that have to do with sleep. So there's a lot of places to jump in. Um, but I'm going to start off with uh, a personal experience here. I just got back from Australia. Down under me. How was it? <laughs> It was intensely awesome. I will say. Yeah, it was intense, intense, intense. I gave 11 presentations over four days. Wow. I was barely there. I you left-
1: only texted me in the middle of the night once. I was oh, really, I, did?
0: I was really proud of you well you responded and then i was like it has to be in the middle of the night there i was like AM. Yeah, the the like
1: no somebody else randomly messaged me my friend from germany sent me like 11 messages like literally at the same time as you so i got like all of a sudden my phone was just like Z-Z-Z-Z-Z. so i think it was oh. just it was super coincidental he never does that so i woke oh, up wow. and saw yours
0: i was like oh Well, I'll take this as a license to keep going. She just wrote me back. And then I wrote you something you didn't write back. I'm like, she went back to sleep. Mm -hmm. She wrote me back for one second. So yes, I try to refrain from bothering my Eastern Standard Time US friends when I was on the other side of the world. But boy, that is... You really have to plan. We talk, we have our travel episode about planning mentally for just the physical nature of it, but I had a plan in my sleep routine too. And it really did, um, I mean, it throws you off big time. Yeah. I mean, just to get there, I left on Sunday, February 12th, and I got there on Tuesday, Valentine's Day, February 14th. That's so it was wild. I, the, I had, I flew five hours to LA. I had a 10 hour layover in LA. That was the hardest part. And then I had a 17 and a half, 18 hour flight from LA to Melbourne. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then it you're was like, intense. but you, you have no idea what time it is, like what day of the week it is. Like you're it, now it's like summertime over there. It's summertime. It's, yeah. No, granted we're like, in
0: Florida. We, it's like basically around summer, but I know. And at points they're like, that's a hot one today. And my accent is awful. Like just ignore <laughs> me. That was like my, like, oh, that's such a hot one down here. And you're like, well, wow, <laughs> you. It's very raspy Australian. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, um, it's actually hotter in Florida, but yes, it was their summer. It, it was beautiful, but I got the advice to set your clock to the hour that it was. And so like, I lost like a whole day of my life. I lost February 13th. I'll never yeah. get that back it was, you know, nothing. Happened I don't think anything really me. happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I missed it. Day. But then the longest day of my life was the day I returned on the. I think it was the Saturday. It was mm-hmm. so long that my watch was like, how do you walk for more than twenty four hours? Like I got somebody sandals. Oh, yeah. Like it was just like <laughs> tripped out. It was very cool. So oh, yeah. anyway, yeah, I stood for over twenty four hours that day. Oh, my Weird. Gosh. Yeah, so weird. But anyway, yes, there was so much in there. And I feel like a lot about what we're going to talk about is so very true. And I want to start off and talk about appetite and those hormones that control our appetite. So I'm going to get nerdy right on the start. Our favorite thing to do. And I want to talk about two hormones that if you've had weight loss surgery or you're thinking about it, or you're just listening to our podcast for just overall, maybe weight loss tips, health tips, dietitian tips, things like that. You should know about these two hunger hormones called leptin and ghrelin. Mm -hmm. Leptin is the one that when it's on the scene, it's a good thing because leptin is your satisfaction hunger hormone. Mm -hmm. So when you eat... And you should feel that sense of fullness that I'm done, not another bite. Your leptin should be an overdrive. So it will help you to stop eating when you don't need any more. Now, after weight loss surgery, our leptin levels will actually go up. In addition to you being physically restricted in the amount that your stomach can hold, obviously gastric bypass stomach goes from the size of a football down to the size of a thumb. So it's only 5%. So yes, you're, you're restricted to 5%, but also your leptin will go up as well. In addition with the sleeve, stomach goes down to the size of a garden hose, about 15 to 20%. So with the conjunction of the leptin going up, your stomach being restricted, that's all good. Ghrelin, which there's a lot more talk about ghrelin on the weight loss surgery scene. Mm -hmm. Ghrelin is that hunger hormone. So ghrelin is what tells your brain you're hungry to eat more, eat more, eat more. So after a sleeve, which ghrelin is made in the portion of the stomach that is removed with the sleeve. So after that, your ghrelin levels will decrease. And you will have that sense of, all right, I don't have ghrelin. Ghrelin tells me I'm hungry. I don't have it. Therefore, that signal to the brain is cut. I'm not going to have that kind of almost obsessive thoughts that I'm hungry and I have to satisfy something. So with leptin going up, ghrelin going down, weight loss surgery works. And that's, that's the balance you want to be in
1: after you eat a meal. And that's what people who like don't have like dysregulation i would say in their body you know sometimes with obesity and things like that you have dysregulation of those hormones so somebody who doesn't have that their ghrelin levels are normal their leptin levels are normal they're going to have that normal sense of appetite and satiety but i think what happens is it gets
0: dysregulated that's such an awesome point so i talked about all the great that the weight loss surgery does but you're right the balance of obesity people who struggle with that we always talk about how it's multifaceted it's not just oh you're lazy you don't eat the right thing it's that there's genetic component which is one of the biggest things and as such it has to do with this hormonal balance mm-hmm. so those who struggle with obesity have much lower levels of leptin and much higher levels of ghrelin So that by having surgery, it finally kind of levels the playing field to at least normal or, you know, normal bodied humans, whatever you want to call it, um, that your levels will will start to go in the correct direction. So you're right. That is dysregulated with obesity. So it's like a chicken or an egg phenomenon. Did it happen because of that? It's probably because of the, the dysregulation of hormones. So we're talking sleep here. So they look at a lot of studies in terms of what does sleep restriction do for both leptin and ghrelin levels. So the first question I'm going to ask you um, is what would you consider to be a sleep deprived state? How many hours per night and how long do you have to keep in that deprived state to be considered sleep deprived or restricted?
1: I mean I a little bit cheated because I did know okay. we were talking about this today. Um, but six hours, less than six hours is sleep. And it can happen. I like I don't know if the six hours makes a deprivation after one night, but I know like even shortening it after one night, you can have issues.
0: Yeah, it's something crazy that after just three to four nights of getting, yeah, some six hour, mm-hmm. four to five hours even, some of us think I mean, I don't need sleep to survive and there's such a gamut. We're going to take definitely surveys on our Instagram stories to say like, how much do you sleep? You can definitely sleep too much, but for the most part, most Americans are not getting enough.
1: No, I I don't know anybody that sleeps too much. Like no, in my life, anecdotally, I don't
0: sleep too much.
1: That's for sure.
0: All right. Well, let's go for it. So, um, what do you call when you're like scrolling on the phone like all night and you should Ugh. be sleeping? Doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. Okay. Yeah. You taught me that
1: too. I know. Gosh. I just, I was just telling, like, you know, we were chatting before this. Spoiler alert, guys, we talked before the episodes. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, I was saying, you know, I was like reading about sleep, listening to a talk about sleep and that kind of stuff. And even though I was like terrified last night, I was, I stayed in bed. I like was on my phone just like, scrolling away at nothing and it was like Hannah you just did and so it is it's totally such a habit too and and I think that's part of why it's hard to start to break these things and we'll talk about that in a little bit but like you know totally. those types of things that
0: happen I know I'm glad that we're doing this just to put it in front of my mind as well like you must sleep sleep helps on so many levels we're going to talk more than even just about health and diet and exercise you're going to talk a little bit about some of the other things mm-hmm. coming up now As you expected, leptin levels and sleep restricted will go down. The hunger hormone ghrelin will go up. So it's even if you're working out and you are on point with your diet and you're just doing everything so well, this this can just counteract a lot of that hard work that you're doing during the day. You can unravel it in a second at night.
1: Yeah. And I feel like your inhibition goes down too when you're tired. You know, you're you like normally, okay, if I'm well rested, and I feel hungry, maybe I'm going to reach for like my meal prepped meal or my well balanced, whatever. I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm extra hungry, like, I'm going to reach for something that might not fit within my plan right now. Like, that just inhibition is there.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. So to tell you specifically, they've done a lot of studies looking at MRIs and how like those parts of your brain that are involved with that control, if you will, that impulse control, they have looked at what exactly happens in those with a full night's sleep versus those who are sleep deprived. And it is so fascinating. So the first thing is, there is the part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is regulates your impulse control. So if somebody's had a stroke there, they might blurt out things that are not appropriate in public. The prefrontal cortex is also not developed um, in really little kids until I think like age six or seven. So they'll cry like, you know, if someone takes your cookie, hopefully Hannah, you won't be crying right now. But you know, my kids will scream and cry still, especially yeah. when they get tired. You see it. I'm like, oh, Evan's tired. And here he goes. He's like scream crying over nothing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And he's almost six years old. So it regulates your inhibitions. It's the logic part. It controls all of um, the parts of your brain that allows you to make these healthy, controlled choices. Well, what happens is in sleep deprived, that will actually light up and they they will show different types of food. And... They will show that the simple sugars, the high density carbs, the ice creams, the pizzas, the chips, all of those things, those like simple sugars that give you the energy that you need really quickly, those areas of your brain, both the prefrontal cortex and your amygdala, which is kind of your emotional center of your brain, those will light up in much more brighter ways than if you were not sleep deprived. So it's proven that yeah. it, the brain will respond even differently to things um, that you know you shouldn't do. But like, I'm tired. I'm just scrolling. But screw it. I'm never going to go in there and grill myself um, a lean piece of chicken breast. Um, right. It's just been salad. Oh. Like that's never my midnight snack. I've never no. done such a crazy thing. Never. So now another thing about, um, you know, kind of unraveling your efforts during the day has to do with using and burning things for energy so when you're tired you need energy
1: Mm -hmm. energy
0: can come from fat which is your preferred thing to burn we all want to get rid of fat but it can also come away from the muscle and since fat has higher density of energy in it your body is going to preferentially hold on to fat And burn your lean muscle, which you're spending all day with resistance exercises, lifting weights, again, that high protein diet, especially in the post-op bariatric patient, that it will burn through all of those good eating habits, good things that you're doing, and it will make it so that, uh, you know, you're just burning the wrong thing here.
1: Right. And that's not, you know, when we look at that long term, that's... Going to then affect that metabolism. And that's, you know, when we talk about exercise being good for weight maintenance, the reason is because we're going to build up those muscles and that helps your muscles are going to burn more energy than your fat stores and all of that. And so, yeah, if you're not sleeping enough and now you're losing your lean muscle, and then especially, yeah, if you're somebody who's like trying to work out and gain muscle and you're like, why am I not gaining muscle? Maybe I'm losing weight or maybe I'm not gaining weight, but my muscles won't grow. Like, what's going on? Maybe you're not sleeping.
0: I know. And I think I have to always remember when I'm going through and especially you when you're looking at someone's food journal and you're really getting on a very um, granular level with, okay, like you're really um, you're really organized. You have all of these things here. Again, we talked about it this at the beginning, but okay, this is what you're eating. This is your exercise. Tell me about your slate. That has yeah. to be part of the kind of a comprehensive assessment. And I don't think we do it enough. I don't think so either.
1: Yeah, it's it, again, it's we're so focused. I'm a dietitian, I focus on diet. Like that is my thing. You know, I touch on exercise, but no, I mostly focus on diet. And that's totally correct in thinking, like, what more do we need to be exploring? And if this sounds like you, maybe this is where you need to be like, I feel like I'm doing everything correctly. What is this other place I can evaluate?
0: Absolutely. I think that this is something that we all need to take an inventory over and make sure that we prioritize the best bedtime for us. And also knowing ourselves, are you a are you a night owl or are you like an early morning hawk? What would you say? When do you do better?
1: Oh, I'm a night owl. I like, I peak in the afternoon, I would say like, Once I'm up, I'm up. I'm usually okay. But getting out of bed for me, lifelong struggle always has been. So I, I, but I can stay up. I, but I'm not like up until like three, four o'clock in the morning. Like some people will do. I'm like midnight, 11 to midnight. Okay. And then what time do you wake up? It depends on the day. And this is another place where it's, I'm not regular. I don't have like a regular wake, uh, sleep and wake cycle which is one of the most important things you can do to better your sleep. So let's talk
0: a little bit about different types of hormones. So you have your sex hormones, you have your appetite regulating hormones, and then you have your metabolic hormones like insulin. And these ones are involved sort of in this like blood sugar regulation, but it can be a blood sugar battle at times to make sure that the blood sugar is low and that your cells are taking it up with insulin. So let me explain. If you eat something that is high in sugar, so if you will do things like, oh, I don't know, right before bed, a big thing of soda or ice cream, I mean, the same examples, you know the examples, your blood sugar level will increase. Now, it is dangerous to have spikes of glucose that are higher bloodstream for too long. In fact, it's the definition of diabetes, type 2 diabetes. And so your body at this point will release insulin, this hormone, to give you and hopefully will release the right amount of insulin to really allow that appropriate removal of glucose from the bloodstream. Now, the way it does this is insulin comes in and the cells will hopefully respond to the insulin that is released. It will help to uptake the glucose from the bloodstream into the cells and there you go. Now, If you are sleep deprived, again, sleeping for four to five hours of sleep per night, less than six hours, insufficient. You take down that same glucose high load. Your body, two bad things are happening. And that first off, your body's not going to release enough insulin to be able to deal with it. Number one. And number two, your cells that are supposed to be listening to the insulin. Are not, And so twofold is happening to actually increase the amount of blood sugar that's circulating for longer periods of time. It has been quoted in the literature that sleep deprivation after just a few nights will actually decrease the absorption of glucose by 40% in those who are sleep deprived. And in less than one week, a very healthy, otherwise non-diabetic patient, if you're sleep deprived for one week and you're doing high glucose things, You'll be diagnosed lab wise after one week as a pre-diabetic that quickly.
1: That's so crazy. And I think, I mean, it's scary because, you know, there's plenty of people out here who are doing that. And it's wild because I think we always just think of, you know, blood sugar being for diabetes. And like, that's the concern is that you have diabetes. But then when you look downstream of what are the causes of uncontrolled diabetes, as we look at kidney failure, we look at neuropathy, we look at, you know, losing fingers and toes, like, those are things that happen from high levels of circulating blood sugar, and that's not good. So like, let alone weight, weight loss, and all of that that we're talking about, there's other significant medical issues that can come
0: that can be downstream from this issue. Yeah, like you said, diabetes is something that you feel okay, but it's an increased risk in all of the, like you said, the eyesight issues, the circulation issues, the kidney issues from diabetes. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough disease and it can start from lack of sleep. Also, it increases your risk of cardiovascular issues, even depression and mental illness. And sometimes when you're anxious and depressed, it's hard to sleep. And that just sort of perpetuates that cycle of feeling just lousy if you're just not rested enough um, to go for it. Yeah. And that's yeah, it's so wild. All of it. It is wild. Now, also wild, I always see the topic of the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. I always believe that this is kind of a weird one. But guess what? This can give you some really bad changes to our gut makeup of oh the good versus the bad bacteria. So the bad is more of this fermented type bacteria. And they and it has been shown that there will undeniably be an imbalance in your bad bacteria, the fermented type. If you are sleep deprived. So even the flora and fauna of your gut is impacted by not sleeping enough. My friends.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. It crazy. Like, and, and you hear, it's so crazy too. Cause then you look at all these things that are sold to help with your gut bacteria and all of these things. And it's like, you don't need those products. Like get some more sleep.
0: I know, seriously, I'm about to um, cut this podcast short and go to sleep right here, right, right now. now. I'm so, I'm, I yeah. know this is like
1: a, is like a rally but, cry to tell people to get to sleep. Well, then it's interesting because you mentioned like the mental health disorders and anxiety is a big one that causes a lot of sleeplessness. And then there's people, and I remember hearing about this again, kind of anecdotally or kind of like an article or something about this, who people who were tracking their sleep, because it did like a few, maybe two years ago, it was kind of having a, t- a little bit of a moment that like sleep was the new wellness thing. And then people were tracking it with like their Fitbits, their Apple watches, like, there's like the different like rings and all those things you can do. And then people were stressing about their sleep too much so then they were <laughs> decreasing the quality of their sleep. And it was like, it doesn't it really spirals. And I think you look at something like anxiety where you can't sleep. So then you're anxious about the fact that you can't sleep, but then you're anxious because you have anxiety and it like, truly just like spins
0: out of control oh gosh yes that's so true i felt that way on the plane i was just like you're not sleeping you should be sleeping you have a lot ahead of you right now girl sleep 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 that doesn't work guys no i'm sure you know that as well that does not work it is stressful and speaking of stress let's talk about cortisol i mean there is this is first of all we all have cortisol if you don't have cortisol you need it to survive it's a part of a just a healthy biology and that sort of thing But too much is obviously the stress hormone. And when you are over the top stress, you will get cortisol distribution, that central distribution typically of your weight. Um, If you want to look up somebody with overdrive of cortisol, look up pushing syndrome, and that will really show you that visceral or central adiposity of the fats. And those increased levels of cortisol are the things that are responsible, as I've already mentioned, for the increased risk of diabetes and heart disease and the depression and the mental illness and just stress in general and it can make a real impact again on your heart and on your overall well-being it's a big and deal and i guess it goes up when you're sleep deprived It sure does. It goes through the (laughs) roof. So a lot of these things and I mean, it's easier said than done. And there's a lot of tactics into how do you get a more restful night's sleep? How do you do good sleep hygiene? So that when it is time to go to bed, you're ready to go. And I'm sure a lot of you have read so many things like don't read your screens in bed. Don't even watch TV in bed. Like try not to be stimulated in any capacity around bedtime you know read a yeah. book or something with like very like low lights. so it's even special lamps that you can have by your bed and all yeah, like that the red stuff. lights and stuff do you yeah, have a I tv
1: really... in your bedroom
0: i do do you no oh okay we will
1: occasionally bring it in as like a fun treat we'll bring like our extra tv to the bedroom
0: oh wow you no know, mine's always in there Aaron always has it on when we're falling asleep and i kind of like it although whenever i'm just thinking when i'm by myself i mean i just immediately go to sleep i probably sleep better i don't move or anything like i just go for it and when you're talking about like the trackers i have a sleep iq bed so i have the sleep iq app and i saw in our support group the other day some people were putting like screenshots of their sleep and i'm like zooming I'm so intrigued by it i'm going to share mine some of them are enviable though yeah like this like all green didn't even move like you know, like are
1: you? Kidding I don't move. I I'm very fortunate in that, like, once I fall, I definitely do have sometimes like falling asleep, some anxiety. But I figured out that if I I read a book on my Kindle to fall asleep, which I'm like, mm. it's the paper white. I don't know if the light is the same or if it's like better for your eyes. But I put on the same. I read the same books over and over and over again, and it makes me fall asleep because I don't care. I don't care if I keep reading. I just fall asleep in the middle of a sentence. If I read a new book before bed, I'll stay up.
0: Wow. but No, that's a good tip too. Like something yeah. that's boring and like you said, yeah. the Dr. Seuss sleep book, just get it and just, just read out. it out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, for me, reading out loud too, like has always made me really sleepy. So like when I would babysit, I don't have kids, but like when I would babysit when I was like a teenager, I would like be laying in the bed, reading them books. And like, I would just be yawning the whole, like they'd laugh at me. Like what, what's happening, Hannah? Why are you yawning so much? It's like, are you not getting sleepy from this? Because I sure am. I
0: know it is a, like a perfect little lullaby that I give to me from yeah. me. There we go. Yeah, Every but night. once
1: I but once I knock out, I don't move. I've realized that recently. I like wake up in the same
0: position that I fall asleep in. That's really good. I'm going to prove it. I'll put my I'll put my thing on Instagram for all to see. now. I think what I'm about to talk about next, and with your advice as a dietitian, of course. I think this is the most important um, kind of action items you can take from this podcast. So this is, here it comes, the secrets to success in terms of getting great sleep. We talked a lot about lights and behavioral things and TV, no TV, all that. But the most important thing is the food that you eat and when you eat it. So there's a lot of studies that show that if you eat a lot of sugar with low fiber type foods that a lot of bad things will happen. Three, to be exact. Number one, overall, over the night, you're going to get less deep sleep. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're going to wake up at night, in the middle of the night. And then sometimes if you... If I wake up, sometimes it is hard for me to fall asleep. So pretty much the minute I wake up, I'm like kind of... My mind starts thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got so much to do. And then I just kind of start going. But then number three is your metabol if your metabolism is roaring up like right before bed like you just ate all these pretzels or whatever and then like all of a sudden like your metabolism is going it's going to increase your metabolic rate and therefore increase your temperature you're going to get hot and then you're going to wake up from that too so this is something that is just so key the timing is you want to make sure you don't want to be starving you don't want to be too hungry but you also don't want to be too full And when you go to sleep, I think the two full is even more damaging or dangerous to your overnight sleep um, patterns there.
1: Yeah. And, and what is in that food that you're having before? So yeah, I always try to tell because, you know, we always want to find the good balance between like health and wellness and, and good habits, and like a good relationship with food, right? And so you'll see a lot of people promoting things like and it always will go by a different name. Um, but intermittent fasting is the most common one that you'll see it mm. called. But it's the general category that I say is time restricted eating. So I always mm. get people asking me like, I, I can't eat or telling me I can't eat after six. And I'm like, why? Like, give me a reason. We can talk this through. And they're like, well, I heard I should be restricting my diet from 8am to 6pm or whatever, because they've been told that this window exists. And for some people that works, but I always tell people I say, look at what time you're going to bed, count backwards two hours from there and try to stop eating before that. So if you're not going to bed until 10pm, then you can eat until eight o'clock, which like, let's be real, most of us who have like a nine to five job are not having dinner finished by 6pm. I surely am not uh, just not reality. So looking at like, what's your reality of, okay, now if you're going to bed at four o'clock in the morning and you're like, well, that means I can eat until two, you may need to reprioritize unless you're like a shift worker or something who's who's overnight. And
0: yeah, I I always say like two hours before bed. That's actually, that's what the literature says exactly. So that's it, my friends don't eat two hours before bed. And that's going to keep you out of a lot of trouble because a lot of times you think you're hungry, but you're actually just exhausted and tired. Mm -hmm. And so your body, remember, again, it wants a quick energy source to keep you going if you're super tired. So it's going to start to crave the simple sugars and then you're going to get yourself in this vicious cycle. So I know that it's really hard, but I think if you lose weight and I think I understand there's a lot of factors to it. But I realized that the thing that has helped me the most is when I do not snack at night, period, on anything, that's it stop and be done with it after dinner. And I do, I like dinner. So I don't think there's any magic in like, oh, I eat dinner at 4 p.m. Then you probably will be starving again. By yeah, of m. course.
1: If you're not going to bed for six hours after dinner, so I like... like- of course, you're like, that's just normal, natural being a human is getting hungry every couple hours. And that's where it is also too. like, what are you eating in that time? So you mentioned like pretzels, Mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't want to be trying to have those like simple carbohydrates before bed, you'd want to try to always have, like we always say, like, have a good balanced snack with fiber and protein in it. So you know, maybe some fruit with some yogurt, some like Greek yogurt, or, you know, whatever you like in the evenings, and it it could be kind of, like you know, It doesn't have to be like boring and bland, but trying to have if you're gonna have a snack before closer to bed, try to keep it two hours away and try to make sure it has some sort of like protein and fiber in it. And there's also some thought too to like, you'll hear people saying, and this is such like an American way to eat too, is we eat a really big dinner meal, and like Mm -hmm. a light lunch and a fairly light usually a lot of people will skip breakfast or do a very light breakfast and like to kind of swap that so you're eating more during the day and then having like a lighter meal in the evening. So then you're not running into these issues of like, Oh, I just had this really big heavy meal before bed. And now my insulin is going to be going up and then my blood sugar drops. And then I wake up and I have all of these, you know, all these different things. So maybe, you know, if you have the ability to maybe switch your larger meal to lunchtime, and kind of think
0: of like a lunch size dinner, just flip flop them. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. I do that a lot. I eat a really big breakfast. And I'm a big lunch person too. I eat like pretty yeah. solid three meals. And then sometimes today, for example, I went to the Capitol Grill for lunch. I'm not really hungry. and It's like late at night. So I should probably yeah. I got but it. But I always eat something no matter what. And then yeah, yeah so those are the keys. When you do eat, your dinner should be higher protein, lots of fiber, try to decrease the sugar and then stop that meal. At least don't eat anything else two hours prior to bedtime because two hours is what it takes to digest that sort of a load. Right. Right. So those are the keys there. Now let's just um, touch briefly and switch gears here on obstructive sleep apnea and some sleep disorders. So a lot of our patients do struggle with that. And as part of our routine evaluation and consultation for bariatric surgery, we do screen patients. I think every program in the country, in the world screens for sleep apnea because it can it's such a high risk in our patient population. So there's two different ways that we as uh, clinicians can screen for it. One way is to use something called a subjective measure, which is called the Epworth sleepiness scale which is where we ask you a series of questions. How likely are you to fall asleep in different scenarios? And then if your number is greater than 10, we will automatically order you now a home sleep study. So you won't have to spend the night in an offsite. Typically, um, we can get that diagnosis just by you sleeping in your own bed and then waking up and either mailing the results back. Sometimes that we even get the results through Bluetooth. A sleep specialist will interpret that study and will be able to see if you have any degree of severity of sleep apnea. And then the other uh, screening tool is called the STOP-BANG, and that looks at things like your sex, your neck circumference, um, and different variables. And if your number is, uh, if you have high blood pressure, is on that screening test. And then if your number is three or above, then we would order a home sleep study. And so then if you have mild sleep apnea, typically CPAP, which is a type of device that will give you positive airway pressure because it's obstructive sleep apnea, meaning your airway is intermittently obstructing, which is why you're snoring to kind of wake yourself up and making those noises. And so if it's mild, you're obstructing your airway only a few times an hour then CPAP compliance is optional. But if it's moderate or severe, in order to have bariatric surgery and undergo the anesthesia where your respirations will be compromised, we actually will require that you are wearing the CPAP machine and you're compliant with it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's definitely one of those things that I would hear, you know, patients are like, I don't like the machine or I mm-hmm. can't tolerate. But I think a lot of times people, once they can get used to it, once they are like in that habit, they're, they feel so much better because they're actually getting restful sleep. Um, <sighs> I had a friend <sighs> exactly. of mine that had sleep apnea and I remember he like left his charging cord. He was, we were working somewhere where we stayed on site and he like left his charging cord for his, his machine at home. So he didn't have it for a few nights and he finally got it like a couple days later. And I'm not kidding. I think he slept 14 hours because he had just, he was so exhausted from like the few nights of not having that machine that he, once he had it back, he was just like, he was zonked out. So like Mm. it made a huge difference in
0: that, which was, it was wild to see that. Yeah. I I guess goes back to the whole thing here is that, we need sleep. You can't avoid it. You You can't can't be superhuman. You can't, you know, I was a, a resident in general surgery training and there was a lot of sleep deprivation. Every second or third night, we would stay up 30 hours and then we would sleep from like noon to six. So the Australia trip, I didn't really have, I don't know. I think I'm just kind of like almost used to i still i'm not used to it no one is used to it is the is the bottom line. and then you you can run and run and run but you're going to collapse at some point so get in good habits of great sleep habits of not eating before bed of getting your situation comfortable maybe you need a firmer pillow or a softer mattress or you need um turn the ac down Turn the AC down. Yeah, it's make it cool line. in there. He, getting hot and waking up in the middle of the night, we just heard it. Your metabolism, yourself, your internal furnace can go overboard. So really just like give yourself the optimal conditions. Wear a sleep mask maybe in terms of like an eyelid cover. Yeah. I don't know. Like I can't, like I don't like to sleep with pants or like um, socks on. I never sleep with socks on.
1: Oh, I always, if I try to sleep with socks on, I wake
0: up with them like in the blankets. They never stay exactly. On. No, never sleep with socks on, my friends. That's like I tell my kids and stuff like that too. Like, like I, I try to like get them like optimally set up with like their whole squad, the proper pillows. Like there's yeah. a, there's a lot, and there's also something to your routine as well. So you're talking about, you know, reading um, to yourself or reading to the babies or the kids, and uh-huh. yeah, a just routine is a routine. super important for it.
1: And something else we kind of touched on was like people who exercise a lot. I think a lot of times Ah, the question comes down. So first of all, exercise can help you sleep. But if it's late in, if it's in the evening, that can rev you back up. Granted, for some people, like I'm not a morning workout person. It just does not happen for me. So like, I'm always going to be an evening one. And I know that that's just how I function. But exercise in general helps you sleep. But then I always think you hear people saying, well, how can I get all of this done in a day, I have to exercise, I have to go to my job, I have to make food, I have to do this. And sleep tends to be the thing that gets sacrificed. And so I Mm -hmm. think really looking at like, how can I reprioritize this as part of my health journey, because it's obviously going to play out and affect you down you know in other in other ways and maybe you are exercising a lot and again we're not seeing like the muscle gains and you're like well I'm going to the gym more and more and more and maybe that's the wrong answer maybe it's going to the gym less often and sleeping more and getting that rest and recovery and and having that benefit maybe you'll start to see some actual some actual benefits and gains there
0: I love it rest and recovery it's essential yeah you just can't do... build a
1: bank of it
0: No you cannot it doesn't it. it goes away and that was that was the other thing that, you know, we heard on, you know, some of these other when we were doing our research for this episode is that you think that, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to catch up on the weekends. I'm just going to hibernate on the weekends. But again, breaking the routine, not making every day look like the day before the day after is not good. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm horrible with that. I like yeah. go so hard during the weekdays and then the week on Friday night, I'm like, I'm doing fun. I'm just like, out
1: oh. yeah. And it's hard, I would say, as always, with routines and with making changes, it's like, start with where you can, okay, if you're going to bed right now at midnight, every night, maybe try going to bed at 1145. Like, you're not gonna magically some people have to go to the extremes. I'm not that way. Some people will be like, Nope, 10pm. I'm in bed and I'm sleeping. like, whatever. No, start, start where you're at, like, work up to getting more sleep. I mean, that's what yeah. i'm gonna need to do because like i said last night i was like oh my gosh this is not this is something's off here i need to like work on this and i have to be intentional about it
0: yeah no you're so right so and i need to make my right. husband do it too it's his fault well I'll that's true you need support well i yeah. was thinking about i was going to text you and i didn't see if i see those dot dot dots go and i'm like oh there uh-huh. she is there she is i was gonna i was gonna trick you but that means i'm up too yeah, I know. So. I do better in the early mornings, but I need to go to bed earlier for that to happen. I kind of just let yeah. myself naturally wake up. No, yeah. I'm you days. asked me. Are you? Uh, you
1: I'm a night owl. Are you a morning person? Huh? I'm a, I love
0: morning so much better, but that yet yeah, I find myself like. If I stay up late, then I, I screwed up the whole next day Yeah, I am. I do. In a perfect world, I would get up when it was still dark out, oh. but I don't. I just like let my body naturally wake up and it's not going to do that if I'm going to bed at 11 or 12 because I'm talking to you or, or doing this doom scroll. I mean, that's just yeah. the reality.
1: I know. I know. We got to so throw tough. our phones in the lake or something.
0: No, we should it's on good. so many levels. Yeah you
1: know this is so bad well yeah, we already realized would
0: come to a screeching halt i don't think that would that's work. true well, how would people listen to a consumer podcast that's what I we do. want wow. we love this i know well speaking of we are you can always go to our website drxdietitian.com and look at some of our episode guides we will be sure to be giving you some of these amazing sleep tips to help you on your weight loss and overall health journey and you can also follow us on instagram we're at drxdietitian there as well
1: yeah thank you for listening and we're looking forward to hearing all about your sleep habits your give us your best sleep practices like what works for you because clearly we need help over here we all Um, need help come on share it with your fellow fans and we will be sure to make sure that everybody is getting better sleep and we will see you next week all right good night good night